Father, I thank you for today. I thank you that you're about transformation. I thank you that you are about taking us from glory to glory and that in your economy, sitting still and or going backwards uh, and you are not the ideal, that you actually are leading us somewhere and that you're causing us to change. And um, inside out, you touch our character. You're the God of mercy and grace and kindness and you're leading us to a place that is really, really good. My prayer this morning, Lord, for us as a church is that we embrace where you're leading us and we allow you to lead us and that in the process of you leading us, we push into you knowing that at some point, some way, a butterfly will emerge and that will be good for not only for us but all those around us for this wonderful city that you've placed us in. So I declare your blessing on every person in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, it's nice to be with you this morning. But you're probably not happy I'm here because today we're having an exam. Who likes exams? What's wrong with you? (laughs) Pretty much this exam is going to decide whether you get into heaven or not. And I've heard Jesus is coming tomorrow, so suggest you get it right. No, not really. Um, It's an easy exam. It's like just yes or no answers. Seven questions. And it's about yourself, so you cannot get it wrong, okay? Cannot get it wrong. Um, But you do need to be honest with yourself. It's called self-examination. Here's the first question up on the screen. Have you ever been disobedient? Oh, no, keep keep the answers to yourself. (laughs) This isn't like a hang your dirty washing out day. This is self-examination, okay? So number two. Have you ever told a lie? I said shush. I know most days I'm asking for you to interact, but just at this moment, in this space, this time, I don't want to hear from you. Number three. Have you ever really wanted something that wasn't yours? I made the mistake recently of going into a car dealership, and the longer I sat in the car, the more I wanted it. Slight problem was the $186,000 price tag, but there's ways and means. Have you ever taken something that wasn't yours? In other words, are you a thief? Have you stolen something? (laughs) If you're doing good up to now, I bet you just failed. Have you ever overeaten? Obviously not a problem for me. Have you ever had an evil or unclean thought? And last but not least, are you a disciple of Jesus? And when I say disciple, I mean are you an adherent to his teachings rather than simply just a believer? How did you go? Did you answer no to any of the first six questions? Probably not. Did you answer yes to question seven? I hope so. I hope so. That's a good thing. Here's the deal. If you, um, if you answered no to one to six and yes 
for question seven, you, are, you don't need a doctor. You're fine. You're good to go. You can, if you like, just stand up now, pick up your things and leave because there's not a lot I can do to help you. Um, see you later. No takers. Oh, well. I'm still here too. If there was any other combination whatsoever in the answer, according to the Pharisees in the Scripture, they describe you. They call you scum. Happy days. Lovely, isn't it? They call you scum. In fact, it gets worse. If you're an employee of the government, gee, not, not too good, this passage. Even worse still, if you work for the IRD, I suggest you just put your head down for a minute because <laughs> scum is what the Pharisees call you. It's a terrible thing. But there is good news. Don't panic. Just I don't want to really, don't, don't attach that label, please. That would be a horrible day um, in church for you. But um, according to Jesus, in essence, you need a doctor. That's the deal. Jesus looks at our lives and he goes, actually, they've all made a, a bit of a mess here. You need a doctor. And here's the good news. Jesus is the doctor. That's what he's all about. He's all about coming into your world. He's all about coming into my world. And he's about putting things right. The big thing is, you've got to know when you need a doctor. If you answered yes to question seven, here's the good news. Jesus has made you righteous, he's justified you, which in essence means he made the answer to one to six, no, for all of them, despite what your life looks like. He said no. He went through your score sheet and he said, no, no, that person's in relationship with me. Um, No, I'm changing those answers. The answers now are all no. Because... We know we need a doctor, and that's what he's here to do. And that is the gospel. That is the good news. That is why it is good news. It's because on your and my own basis, we just don't measure up. But you let Jesus get hold of the score sheet. He looks at it through a completely different lens to us, and he changes all the marks. So we all get a pass. That is exceptionally good news. I don't know about you. You obviously don't believe it because you're exceptionally quiet. But I think that is really, really good news. Jesus looked at my score sheet and changed it. If I had had Jesus on my side when I was at high school, I could have conquered the world. Luke chapter, well, I've just broken things here. It's going to be up on the screen. Just let me fix my dilemma. Got overly excited and swiped the wrong way. Luke chapter 5 and verse 27 or 27 to 32 reads like this. Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honour. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with him. But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained 
bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Did you pick that bit up? They complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. It was Jesus they had a problem with. How often do you see that in the way, I've got a, I've got a problem with Pastor Ray, so I'm going to go and complain to Lance about it. Pastor Lance, I've got a problem with Ray. Can you sort him out? How about if I've got a problem with Pastor Ray, I go and see Pastor Ray. That would be Matthew 18 right there. Anyway, it's a sidetrack. And I haven't got a problem with Pastor Ray. Um, <laughs> nor with Pastor Lance. Um, but the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. There's some obvious questions and answers in this passage, like verse 28, um, so Levi got up, left everything and followed Jesus. Some of the obvious thoughts there are, what, what's my response? to Je- What's your response to Jesus when he says, come, follow me? Do we just jump up? Do we follow him? Or do we go, yeah, sure, but here's my list of conditions. Because Levi never had a list of conditions. He simply got up and followed. Verse 29, can I, can we, can you, let me personalise it, can you genuinely say that Jesus is the guest of honour in my place? My place. Jesus is the guest of honour. What about verse 31? I've already established that we need a doctor. So are we having regular checkups? I don't know a lot about the human body, but I know that cars need regular servicing. And if you don't do regular servicing, you end up with a big bill. I suppose, just take it away for a minute from the human body and to our spiritual life, are we having regular checkups? Because they keep us on track. But there is so much more in this passage than that. Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 to 13, are exactly the same account. Yet at the end of it, Jesus adds a little more for us. Matthew chapter 9 from verse 9 says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew, uh, Matthew, Levi, they're the same dude. Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Scum, the word there can actually be um, interchanged really with the word evil, with evil. When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added this bit. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. The bit he added, 
Now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. Is Hosea 6.6. What's been actually been said there is I want you to show mercy, not sacrifice, is in context to what the Pharisees are doing. He's saying, I want you to show mercy. In other words, I want you to show a sense of belonging, a sense of acceptance to those around you, unlike the Pharisees who are separating out those who that they feel don't belong. And I think this is a real challenge for us in the church today, particularly in the culture that we live in, in that Jesus' command to us is to show mercy, not to make judgment. He'll judge. He'll sort stuff out. But as far as you and I are concerned, we are told to be merciful. Show mercy. Show grace. Show kindness. Don't put separation. Don't put roadblocks in that are going to keep people from coming in the direction of Jesus because what they need is mercy. What they need is kindness, is love. Show mercy, not sacrifice. This statement that Jesus is making would have been quite confronting for the Pharisees because they're putting in these roadblocks for people. But what Jesus is essentially saying is, hey, I'm looking for followers, not critics. And you guys have been critics. I'm looking for followers. How many know that it does not take a big person to be a critic? Anyone can be a critic. It is super easy to find stuff that is wrong. Yeah, true. I mean, come and have a talk to me about church. Tell me everything that you know that's not right, and I will add to your list. I'll probably triple your list. But, but come and tell me. That's not hard to do. It's not rocket science to work out that some things don't work like they should or whatever. But it, it doesn't take a big person to work that out. That's quite a small person. It takes a big person to come with a solution. It takes a big person to come with an answer. I like, I like um, answers that have legs. In other words, they come with someone. Oh, I've got an answer to that. Yeah, no, don't tell me. Bring, come with your legs. You, you do the answer. You be the answer. That's a great answer. But, but being a critic's easy. It's small. And Jesus is saying, essentially to the Pharisees, he's saying, look, I'm, not, I'm, I'm looking for followers. I'm looking for disciples. I'm not looking for critics, boys. Just leave it. The Pharisees had taken it upon themselves to decide who was righteous and who was scum. It's a strong word, isn't it? Scum, it's a strong word. And who was was scum? And I love this because Jesus comes in and he just smashes the cultural norm of the day. He smashes it. How does he do that? He goes to their house. He's like the the guest of honour at the banquet of these people that are scum. And he's right there in amongst them doing this. Absolutely just wrecks the, the, the Pharisee. It makes him angry, really, because he's in there eating with them. You need to understand that in the culture of the day, going into someone's house for a meal was a really big deal. Like, if Jan invited me to her house for a meal, I know that that's not about the meal. This is back in Jesus' time. That is about building relationship. That's what it's about. 
If you wanted to build relationship with a friend or somebody, you invited them for a meal. If Jan issued an invitation to her house for a meal, I would go, okay, she's interested in deepening our relationship and growing our friendship. My response would be, I'll just pray about that. <laughs> yeah, baby. And I take that, uh, that, that invitation and I come to your house for um, a, a meal because it was actually all about building the relationship. If, and still in today's world, this is very strong in Jewish culture, is that if, if Pastor Ray was a Jew, just say, and I said to him, Pastor Ray, would you come home to my house for a meal? And he said to me, no. That means that he doesn't want relationship with me. It's a very clear signal that he's not interested. He probably wouldn't do that, but, but it's, it's a very clear signal that, that he's not interested in building relationship with me. So the fact that Jesus is in these unacceptable, this unacceptable place with unacceptable people as the, as the um, guest of honour is just like a massive slap to the Pharisees. Jesus is saying something very clear here. He is saying, I'm about mercy. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I'm here for those who need a doctor. I'm here for those who know they're not right. I'm here to be the answer, not a critic. Can I ask a question this morning? Who, I'm going to personalise it to you because I want you to think about it. Who have you decided is in or out in your world? Who have you decided is in or is out? I'll phrase it differently. Who have we decided is a sinner and therefore cut ourselves off from? It's quite in your face, really, isn't it? That's what the Scripture's saying. Now, for a moment, there is an appropriate time and place to cut yourself off from people. Show me your friends, I'll show you my, your future. Have you all heard that? Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. There, there is a time where sometimes not out of judgment, but simply to get on the path and the track that God's got for us, we need to disassociate with people. And that could be a long time, it could be a short time. But we need to, that's, like, that's called wisdom. But here we're talking about a different subject. We're talking about grace. We're talking about mercy. We're talking about kindness. We're talking about love. Who have we decided is a sinner and who have we decided is not? How about this one? Who do I know in my world that I've separated from that Jesus would be happy to dine with? I'll say it again. Who do I know in my world that there's a separation with that Jesus would be happy to dine with? It's really in your face, eh? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I know I'm saying it, but I'm listening to it as well, going, ouch, you know, this is... Here's the deal. It doesn't mean that Jesus approves or that we need to approve of every person's behaviour. But the command to us is to offer mercy. 
and kindness and love. And it means that for people that maybe we've separated from actually some time with Jesus, some time with mercy, the time around a meal with mercy would do them really, really good. That's what it means. I think this is where the world's lost the plot a bit. Because, you know, the, the, kind of, the more left you lean at the moment, uh, this is observation, this isn't a political statement, it's just, if you've got eyes, you can see this. The more left you lean at the moment, um, the more you hear about tolerance, how we need to be tolerant, yes? You kind of look at me like I'm speaking foreign right now. You know what I mean, eh? The more left you lean, the more it's about tolerance. Yet, evidence would say that the further left you go, the less tolerance you find unless you agree with them, in which case it's tolerant. But that's not what tolerance means at all. The, Bi- uh, the Bible, the dictionary, which is not the Bible, says that the ability, a tolerance is the ability or willingness to tolerate the existence of opinions or behaviour that one dislikes or disagrees with. I'll say it again just in case you missed it. Tolerance is the ability or willingness to tolerate the existence of opinions or behaviours that one dislikes or disagrees with. Now, I'm quite a black and white person in many regards. There are lots of behaviours, beliefs and different things that I disagree with. I just simply think they do not line up with the Word of God. They do not line up with truth. Yet the command of God to me is mercy. It's mercy. Which is quite challenging. It's tolerance. In other words, Ray and I could be completely on different pages about something. We could argue. I know, great examples just come to mind. Green is the best colour. (laughs) And Pastor Ray would argue with me that blue is the best colour. But within that, even though we're quite different... We can love one another. That's what tolerance looks like. I can, I can love you. I don't have to agree with you. I don't have to believe everything that he believes. I don't have, my lifestyle doesn't have to look anything like Pastor Ray and Pastor Wendy, uh, Wendy's, but I can still love them. And that's what this command to mercy is about. It's that because it's just a lie that you have to agree to love. You choose to love. Mercy loves. It's not based on behaviour or anything. And Matthew 9 says to us, offer mercy, offer belonging, offer love. Luke 5, Jesus has come for those who need a doctor. Well, I can see you need a doctor. It doesn't mean I'm going to judge you. Actually, I can offer you mercy and kindness and grace and love, believing that it will be the Jesus encounter that makes all the difference. I think that's what salvation's all about. I think when we come into relationship with Jesus, I love this too. You know, Luke 5, 28, we just read it. So Levi got up, he left everything and he followed him. The word Levi means joined. And Levi was joined to evil. He was joined to the government, the Roman government of the day, which were extorting money out of his people. It was evil. He was regarded as evil because he was working for the government, extorting money and taking a cut on the side from his own people. Levi was sitting in a place where he was joined to evil or joined to the world. 
Jesus says, Levi, come follow me. Immediately he gets up and becomes joined with Jesus. That is what the good news, the gospel is about. That is what salvation is about. It's simply changing our seat from here, which is going nowhere, is the evil, and joining with Jesus. When we say yes to Jesus. So who's our allegiance with? These are questions that we need to answer. Who's our allegiance with? Who, who am I joined to? Because we all have a choice. We choose get to choose Jesus or we don't. There's only two answers there. It's not like multi-choice. It's just simply yes or no. C is not the right answer. Yes or no. Will I follow Jesus? Yes or no. Do I realise my need of Jesus' mercy and of his grace? Yes or no. The answer of that probably will answer the one beforehand. Am I willing to allow my life to be a banquet where Jesus is the guest of honour? Yes or no? They're not complex questions. They're definitive questions. And that's what it's coming into relationship with Jesus. He came. He died on the cross, that vicious, terrible, terrible death. In doing that, he paid all of the requirements set by God to be able to restore relationship with human beings back to God as was first intended. Mercy. Grace. Kindness. Love. And now he simply says to us, do you want to take up that offer? Will you follow me? The answer is yes, or the answer is no.